Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 165th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. On this episode, we are featuring Windsor's Capitol Theater and Texas Road. And we're going to be joined by the listener who suggested this to us, Alicia Lesperance. How are you, Alicia? Good. How are you? We're doing very good. We're very excited to talk to you and have you join us. First of all, I want to ask you a little bit about yourself. What got you interested in the paranormal? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of something that has always interested me. So you had mentioned that you'd had some haunting experiences at a location that you had worked at before, and maybe that's what's kind of fed into your interest into looking into the paranormal. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I worked at, in one part of a very big building in London, Ontario, it's called The Mount. And it used to be an orphanage and a convent. And it's it's a, an absolutely gigantic building. And now it has, I think it has like a rest home and a hostel and a whole bunch of other little companies in it. And I worked there about four years ago. And when I moved there, when I moved to London, I was I was driving past the building with my mom and she's like, oh, that's where you're working. Your aunt says it's haunted because my aunt had stayed there. I was like, oh, OK. And um, so when I started working there, nothing really nothing really happened for a while. And then I think after about three months, we did some renovations in the building and we switched some stuff around. And then that's actually when the activity started to really kick up. Uh, all of a sudden we had doors opening and closing. One of the women that I worked with, she was there really early in the morning with her son and her son came running into the room and said, mommy, who are those scary women in the black hats? So we think that maybe he saw the apparition of some nuns. And um, some people said that they saw children. And the only thing that really happened to me is I was in a room working, but I, I was completely alone. And I heard something bump into a table across from me. And I was completely alone. So I, 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 that's kind of the one thing I can't explain. I don't know what happened. Oh, wow. That's a little strange, especially did the table move? Or did you just kind of hear a sound? I just heard a sound. I just heard a bump. Wow. Very interesting. And anytime somebody talks about ghost nuns, that just creeps me out. They're not supposed to be ghosts. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was creepy. But that was the only thing that really happened to me. 
It's interesting how restoration seemed to kick up activity. So maybe that's why all of a sudden it started going. Mm -hmm. Before we get into talking about the Capitol Theater and Texas Road, we do want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Aaron Dam. Hello, Aaron Dam. Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Max. Hello, Max. Joe. Hi, Joe. Dexter. Hi, Dexter. Kathleen. Hey, Kathleen. Megan. Hello, Megan. Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Shannon. Hello, Shannon. Kimberly. Hey, Kimberly. Sherry with a C-H. Hello, Sherry with a C-H. Cross. Hello, Cross. Ellen. Hello, Ellen. And Jessica. Hi, Jessica. All right, ladies, let's head on up north to Windsor, Ontario. Perfect. History Goes Bump is entirely listener-supported. Become an executive producer for as little as $1 a month. Get listed on the website and invited to exclusive virtual meetups. For $5 a month, you get that and exclusive bonus content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. For $10 and above a month, you'll get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash historygoesbump or you can support us via PayPal. Click the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com for more information. History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to This Moment in Oddity. This Moment in Oddity was suggested by Michael Rogers. When it comes to a cat that lived during World War II, we're not sure if it's more strange that he survived the sinking of three ships or that he started with the Nazi regime and ended up with the Royal Navy. His name was Oscar, and he was a black-and-white cat. Nazi Germany's Kriegsmarine had a battleship Bismarck built, and it launched on February 14, 1939. During the battle with the Allied battleship Prince of Wales, it was heavily damaged and sank. 118 of the 2,200 crew were all that survived, along with one cat. He was rescued by the British destroyer HMS Cossack, which found him floating on a board on the water. They named him Oscar, and now he has switched sides in the Great War. Because it carried out covert activities, and Oscar was there through it all for several months, until the Cossack was hit by a torpedo west of Gibraltar. As it was being towed back, it sank, and Oscar was found clinging to a piece of plank and taken on to Gibraltar. When the British officers who had rescued him heard that this was the second sinking he had survived, they changed his name to Unsinkable Sam. The crew of the HMS Ark Royal adopted him. This battleship was known as Lucky Ship because it had survived many near misses. On November 14, 1941, the ship was returning from Malta when it was torpedoed by a U-boat. A motor launch found Sam clinging to a floating plank and they described him as angry but quite unharmed. Poor Sam had enough of this sinking business and switched to dry land hunting mice in the building of the Governor General in Gibraltar. After the war, he went to live at a home for sailors in Belfast until the end of his earthly days. What a wonderful story that certainly is odd. This History Podcast is haunted. This Day in History 
On this day, November 20th in 1815, the Second Treaty of Paris is signed. Napoleon Bonaparte had been exiled by the Allied government in 1814 to the island of Elba after he abdicated at Fontainebleau. He escaped in February of 1815 and fled to France where he began the hundred days of his restoration. Part of that was the Waterloo Campaign. The United Powers of Austria, the United Kingdom, Prussia, and Russia defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo in June. Four days after this, Napoleon agreed to abdicate the throne again. This restored the French monarchy. As part of the treaty, France was ordered to pay 700 million francs in indemnities, and the borders of France were reduced to where they had been in 1790. It also called for the occupation of France by 150,000 coalition forces, and France had to foot the bill for that force, which lasted for three years. Napoleon was sent into exile for the second time, and he died there on St. Helena. Listening to History Goes Bump. Windsor, Ontario is a mid-sized city on the southwest tip of Ontario, Canada, across the river from Detroit, Michigan. It is a multicultural city with a strong history in manufacturing. The French founded the early settlement here, and it's reflected in the names of the streets. There are many historical buildings in the city, and one of these locations is the Capitol Theater, where full seasons of contemporary plays have been performed since the 1980s. As is the case with many theaters, this one is reputed to be haunted. There's also a road in Windsor that is cloaked in legends, and that is the Texas Road. Well, tell us a little bit about Windsor, Canada. This is somewhere that we have never been to, so we'd like to know a little bit about it. So Windsor is right across from Detroit, Michigan. It's a very blue-collar town, uh, but it has a really vibrant arts community. And that's the theater. That's kind of why I was involved in theater. There's a lot of theater groups around there. How long have you lived in Windsor? I I actually don't live there anymore. I grew up there. I I moved when I was 22. I moved to London, Ontario. Windsor, Ontario was once separate villages and towns. These included Sandwich, Walkerville, Riverside, Ford City, and Ojibwe. First Nation tribes lived in the area until the French came and a small Jesuit mission known as Petite Quote or the Little Coast was built. And of course, my French, I ask for your patience with. Later, it would be known as La Quote de Misere or Poverty Coast, based on the sandy soil found there. In 1748, the French set up an agricultural community, making this the oldest continually inhabited city in Canada, west of the Quebec border. The French influence here is seen in the names of streets and the pattern of the roads. The settlement of Sandwich was founded in 1794 after the American Revolution. Sandwich had been the Huron Church Reserve and would now be a new administrative headquarters for the British. It was incorporated in 1858. French control fell away before that in 1797 because of the numbers of British moving to the area. Walkerville was founded by Hiram Walker in 1858 as a company town. He was a New England-born distiller, and he bought several acres on the south shore of the Detroit River to build a distillery and a flour mill. The Great Western Railway came here in the 1850s and helped build Walkersville, and Walker even built his own line in 1885. In 1935, the future city of Windsor would annex the town. In 1904, the Ford Motor Company brought a Ford plant to land developed from the French parish Notre-Dame-du-Lac, which had been founded in 1884 on land donated by Francois Drolliard. The community that developed around the plant was called Ford City. It became an official village in 1913 and then a town in 1915, finally incorporating as a city. 
It was very haphazard in its setup and was plagued with debt. Both world wars helped build the industrial production and growth of the city. Riverside was a residential town officially formed in 1921. The Canadian Steel Corporation founded another company town called Ojibwe in 1913. Financial issues halted many of the plans for this town. Eventually, all these towns would be annexed into the city of Windsor in 1935 and 1966. The name Windsor comes from the town in Berkshire, England. Windsor became a village in 1854, then a town in 1858, and finally incorporated as a city in 1892. The city suffered a devastating fire in October of 1871. 100 buildings in the downtown were destroyed at that time. It rebuilt, and the city remains a primarily manufacturing-based city. This is also Eastern Canada's largest agricultural business community. And a little fun fact about that is that Windsor was the final stop of the Underground Railroad, and the history is preserved about that at the John Freeman Walls Historic Site. Oh, that would be something very cool to see. Yeah. Well, you have this Capitol Theater in Windsor, Ontario, and what's interesting about it is we've actually done another Capitol Theater as one of our podcasts. This is the one that's in Salt Lake City, Utah. So it's interesting to find out that here we have another Capitol Theater that apparently is haunted. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, I've seen outside of the theater, but what does the inside look like? Uh, So the inside of the theater is absolutely beautiful. Uh, It was built in 19... 20 and it's got it's it's very it's a very old-fashioned theater it's got all of the beautiful molding on the ceiling it's very ornate and I haven't been in there since I moved away but I, I know they just they just redid the floor and the seats it has separate stages is that correct because it seemed like it had different names for different theater parts of it yeah it has it has two separate theaters they split it I think sometime in the 80s. They split it in two, uh, and I've performed in both theaters. Now, I know that this was originally a theater that was built by Marcus Lowe, who was headed up Lowe's Theaters, which anybody who's into old-time movies probably recognizes that name. He pretty much founded Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Well, what Marcus Lowe had done is he had bought this land that was on the south side of London Street, and I believe today that's called University Avenue, and the west side of Pellissier Street. And then he hired theater architect Thomas White Lamb to design the theater. It was built at a cost of $600,000 in the Adam Empire style. The Lowe's Windsor Theater took nine months to complete and opened on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 1920. They changed the name to the Capitol Theater in 1922. When they first started, I think it was a lot of vaudeville shows and stuff, but they probably showed films there. I don't know. Do you know if they were showing some of the films there before it became just a theater theater? Yes, it was a it was a movie theater at first, and they also did vaudeville acts. So when you were there performing, I'm sure we hear this all the time when it comes to theaters that people have experiences. I don't know if it's because of all the emotions that are put up there on the stage and emotions that actors and actresses feel. Did you have any experiences or anybody that you were in any of the plays with? Yes. So my dad, actually, he worked there and he said that he was up in the lighting booth and he looked onto the stage and he saw the figure of a woman standing kind of off to the side. And that's actually what I hear most 
from people is that they see this figure of a woman and apparently it's a, a seamstress, I think, who fell from the stage and died sometime in the 1930s. That's supposed to be who haunts the theater. As far as I know, she's the only the only ghost. And uh, somebody, one of the parents in the theater company said that she went into the bathroom in the lobby. There's this very big, beautiful woman's bathroom and she walked in and she saw an apparition of a woman sitting in front of the mirror. And that that bathroom always gave me the creeps. I didn't like going in it. When they see the apparition, do they at first think it's just a woman there? Or is it very apparent that it's a, a ghostly apparition when the people see it? Well, I know when that when she's been seen on the stage, people say that they just think it's a, a woman that's gotten in. But then they take a closer look. I know that I had a few people, including my dad, say that they realized that she wasn't dressed in modern clothing. And then she would just kind of disappear. I think that's what makes it hard when you're in a theater because you see somebody in period clothing. And so you think, well, maybe they're just wearing a costume. But the disappearing, <laughs> that people don't do. So that's what makes that more interesting there. So was your dad afraid when she disappeared or was he just like in awe? Like, well, that just happened. I think he was just in in awe. He wasn't really afraid because I think I think he knew that there uh, that there was something that that this ghost haunts the theater. It's she's pretty well known to the people that kind of frequent the theater. Like if you work there a lot, you've probably seen her. You know that she's around. Do they have a name for her at all? I think somebody might have told me the name a long time ago, but I could I can't think of it and I, I couldn't find anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if the newspapers had talked about it or anything, because that's kind of a, a shocking thing to have a seamstress just fall off the stage and die. And how far is the stage from like, are, do they think she fell like into the pit where the orchestra would have been or? Uh, I think she fell from there's uh, on one side, there's stairs that kind of lead onto a little catwalk. And I think she fell from there. Oh, wow. So she was up in the, the rafters, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely break somebody's neck. Mm -hmm. Has she ever attempted to talk to anybody? I don't think so. I've never heard anybody say that they've heard her speak. And is this something that the theater likes to put out there? Or are they kind of secretive about it and don't really want people to talk about it? I don't think they're necessarily secretive. I just think that it's really just something that you know about if you're in the community that spends a lot of time in the theater. So if you're if you're involved in the theater community in Windsor and you you use the Capitol Theater a lot, it seems like it's it's that community they know about her. Gotcha. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. Well, you had mentioned something else in your email to me as well. And this is a road that is called Texas Road. And there's a whole bunch of legends that surround this. And I found it to be really fascinating to look at some of these because for those of us who like to follow urban legends, some of these are going to sound very familiar. And so it, it always fascinates me when you can go to all these different places around the world and find nearly the exact same stories. And you always wonder, okay, well, where did it start? And how did it get up there? So why don't you share some of the stuff that you guys used to talk about when it comes to this road? Yeah, so one of the ones, if you look up, Texas Road is the classic couple parked somewhere that hears scratching and they find a hook in the door. Uh, that's kind of, I don't know if that one's actually real because again, that is, as you said, that's one that you hear in multiple places. Oh yeah, there was one in Colorado, mm -hmm. um, in a couple cities in Colorado. And so it's just kind of funny. 
that some of these we've talked about before, how it'll be the exact same story almost with just a little bit difference, but you see it again and again and again. So you wonder if it's just happened a lot or if it's an urban legend that just kind of took the nation or this time a couple nations by storm. Well, I kind of wonder if it's a mommy and daddy thing because it's always the kids are parking the car somewhere to, you know, <laughs> get to know each other a little better. Well, sort of like Krampus or something like that. Sca- yeah. Scared, so, scared straight. Don't park the car and get in the back seat, basically. I, I think that's that's probably what it is because I, I just I can't see that many men or women wandering around with hooks torturing teenagers, fooling around in cars. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get the hook stuck in the side of the car, why wouldn't you just try to open the door? They probably don't have the the door locked because they're not paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's other stuff that's going on there, though, that is very original to that location. Yes. So the one, this was the one that I remember first hearing as a kid, is that it is haunted by a headless horseman, someone who got murdered on Texas Road sometime and long ago, uh, and now he haunts the road. That's the first one I heard. That's the one that's very popular. There's also a cemetery at the very end of the road. I don't actually think, I think they cut off access to it now because it's too dangerous Uh, Because it's kind of right on the edge of a cliff and it's just too dangerous to go in there anymore. But I've heard a lot of stories about that there was witchcraft practiced there and uh, there's rumors of Satanism being practiced there. All sorts of just creepy stuff. And there's uh, an altar stone out there that people report seeing stuff around But I don't really think you can go in there anymore. Yeah, I think what I'd seen is they've chained it off, probably maybe because of the things that you're describing there. They don't really want to have different ceremonies and rituals going on there, because if it wasn't haunted, it certainly will be after they get done doing all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Something that I'd heard that was similar to, I'm thinking of the Bragg Light Road in Texas, Denise, that show that we had done. I've heard that there's also a light that can be seen on this road, and it doesn't matter how far you travel, it doesn't seem like you can get any closer to it. It it almost seems like it's traveling at the same speed that you are to stay away from you. Have you heard that? Yeah, I have heard about that. And I'd heard that it might, might be something that is connected to the Headless Horseman that you mentioned. And I was fascinated when I saw that because I was like, oh, we just got done talking about the Headless Horseman before Halloween. And we hadn't heard this particular story. And what I thought was interesting is, I don't know if you had read any of the details of that story, but I didn't see anywhere in it that he had had his head cut off. I saw that he was beat up and robbed and left for dead, but I didn't see that they'd cut his head off. So I don't know why he would be coming back as a headless horseman. And I I didn't see anywhere that he was riding a horse when these thieves got him either. So it's, I don't know where the headless horseman thing comes from. Yeah, that, that I noticed that too when I when I was doing research that there isn't any mention of a horse or him or him losing his head. So why does he appear as a headless horseman? That is kind of strange. Is is it possible that maybe everybody just kind of equated that to the murder that happened? But there might have been like, are there any train tracks nearby, or was there any battles or anything that could have happened like during war times, like some of the other headless horsemen? So. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that uh, there was few small skirmishes that happened in this area during the War of 1812. I know that that none of the um, none of the soldiers that died, there were only two that died and neither of them was beheaded. And oh. this also didn't right, ha- really happen near Texas Road. It happened further out in the county. But there were there were some some skirmishes that did happen. Hmm. OK, where is Texas Road located? What does it run between? 
So it runs between Windsor and Amherstburg, which is a, a small town nearby. Okay. And about how long is it? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but it is very long. It runs pretty much the, you know, it starts in Windsor, goes all the way into Amherstburg. And I know that there's just the, there's only one part of the road that's actually kind of associated with the hauntings. It's not the entire road because part of it is, is right in the city. And that's the part that I've been on. And going on Texas Road and going to this part that's haunted is kind of a rite of passage when you grow up in Windsor, but <laughs> I was always way too chicken to do it. There were lots of times where we'd be driving around my friends would be like, oh, let's go down Texas Road. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> so now is it a rite of passage just to drive down it or like to be left there almost like a vision quest, like overnight or like what what's the rite of passage that y'all do? It's the right of passage to drive down it, to kind of drive to the cemetery, uh, to drive drive down the part of the road where the, the horseman is set to haunt. Uh, some some teenagers, I've heard about teenagers getting out and, and going into the cemetery. So any of that stuff, that's kind of that's kind of what you do. Now, I also had read a story that people had claimed that they'd seen this white shrouded figure back in the 60s. And then... They think they found out that it was a teenager who had hooked a wire onto some kind of a sheet and dragged it across the road. And that's what people had seen. Had you heard anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that story. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of these things. I think kids talk themselves into it's going to be creepy, especially if there's a cemetery. I think it's kind of like it goes into a gully and the cemetery is right there. And that's the area that they say is haunted. And so it's just (laughs) like whenever you're near a cemetery at night, how well lit is the road? That part of the road it, uh, isn't well lit at all. There you go. And so you get to a dark road like this. It's just perfect setting for teenagers to, to kind of play chicken with each other. You know, <laughs> let's see who can do it. And I bet they do get in the car and say, OK, let's let's leave some people here for a little bit and see how long they can make it. Yeah, I know that definitely happens. That's why I never wanted to go because I didn't want to be the one that got left, left in the cemetery. <laughs> all they have to do is leave you and you're thinking Blair Witch Project. Ah, doesn't matter if anything happens. You just think something's going to going to happen well exactly and as much as i love cemeteries being in a cemetery by myself at night would not be fun at all no it wouldn't uh i've been in a cemetery nearby at night i did uh ghost tours during the halloween season there when i was in college and they can be they can be creepy and this was a, a very old cemetery and there was definitely definitely there was a couple cold spots that i walked through a few times now, when you say you did the ghost tours, were you going on them or were you hosting them? I, w- I hosted them. So what areas did you cover? It was just, were you just in the cemetery? So we did the cemetery and then we walked down to a, uh, there's a park. This is on, oh, I'm trying to think of the road. Uh, locals will know it as Snake Lane. It has a proper name, but that's what it's called. And that's kind of what we call it. It's called Snake Lane. And so you kind of walk down. We would take people into the cemetery and go through it. And then we would walk farther down to a park, which is right on River Canard. And we would talk about uh, the two soldiers who were killed during the battle that took place during the War of 1812. And then we would actually put people in the canoes at night and paddle down farther and just keep telling these these kind of creepy local legends and and we, you know, head back to where we'd started. So you got to like go in canoes while you were doing the ghost tour? Uh, I actually used a kayak. Oh. I, I didn't really trust anybody else uh-huh. to, to get in a canoe with me and not tip it. So I, I learned how to kayak and I always got in a kayak for it. Oh my gosh, that That's sounds so like really so much cool. fun. Yeah. 
It was a lot of fun. We're, we're big kite. We love going kayaking. So so that's why we we're like, what? Wait, what? 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 Back up. <laughs> Stop the presses. What did you say? <laughs> so it was like different locations, a cemetery, and then kayaking and telling ghost stories. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This is like heaven to us. <laughs> so what other stories did you tell besides just about those two soldiers? Oh, th- okay. So this one was really good. And this one is true. So the th- the cemetery is right, as I said, it's right on the river. It's prone to flooding. And there was one time there was a really bad storm and coffins started actually coming up out of their graves and floating. <laughs> and a couple people went in there to try to fix the problem and they saw an apparition. Oh, wow. So somebody was not happy that their coffin was moving downstream. Yeah, I, I, I generally think that you wouldn't be pleased no. if your coffin, my body, your coffin was just floating. <laughs> my body's going that way. <laughs> wow, well, that's great. Thank you so much, Alicia, for sharing the, you know, a little bit about the city that you used to live in and suggesting this location to us and, and sharing those haunting experiences. Sometimes it's a little hard to tell people that you've had something weird happen to you. You should definitely come. There's lots of cool stuff to do here in Ontario. Thank you, ladies. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Is Capitol Theater in Windsor harboring spirits from the past? Is there some truth to these legends about the Texas road? That is for you to decide. Well, that was very interesting. Another thing that we need to check out there in Canada. The next episode is going to be our Thanksgiving special. Usually we try to focus on a legend or something that has to do with Thanksgiving. And we thought, you know, food really comes to mind when you think about Thanksgiving here in America. And so we're going to be joined by author James Bartlett to talk about 10 haunted eateries slash bars in the Los Angeles area. So there'll definitely be food included with that and some ghosts. Absolutely. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. He wrote the books Gourmet Ghosts and Gourmet Ghosts too. We think you guys will really enjoy that. We encourage you to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And Denise, if people want to send us an email, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we got an email from Courtney. She says, hello, ladies. I started listening about a month ago. Love it, by the way. And recently listened to the episode about the Paulding Light. I have been there many times. And even though it has technically been debunked, it is still super creepy. I remember the first time I went there was with my grandmother. I was about seven and wearing those light up shoes. I kept kicking my feet. My grandma told me to stop or I would make the light come closer. Great grandmother. (laughs) I love these grandmothers that are like, we're going to scare you to death. One other time I'd been there, we went with a group of people in two cars. We walked down into the valley towards the light. It was bright above us, and the guys in our group started to call out the spirits. We were 19 to 20, and we laughed it off and walked back up the hill. It was January, so the snow was deep, and we were all frozen. The light stayed around the entire time we walked into the valley about 20 minutes. We got back to our cars. Myself and my boyfriend at the time drove off. We drove for about five minutes, and we realized the other car wasn't following us. We turned the car around, and the light seemed so much closer and brighter. We got back to where we'd originally parked the other car was stuck. The guy driving stated he never drove off the side of the road, so there was no way he should be stuck. We finally got the car out after about 10 minutes and the light stayed bright and close the whole time. After everyone was unstuck, myself and the other girl laughed because we said we got stuck because they were calling the ghosts out. Tempting the spirits again. Yes, don't ever, ever tempt those spirits. And then we have some reviews to share with you. This review is from Oregon Brain Teaser. Totally enjoy this podcast. Five stars. Diane and Denise are awesome. They bring great info, have interesting people join their discussions, and it's just fun. I look forward to listening to new episodes. 
It's a lot of hard work to pull these babies together. Respect. Well, thank you so much, Oregon. We appreciate that. And Ellen Michelle, I wish I could meet you, but I live in Texas. Five stars. I would always read the history ghost stories when I was a kid under the covers when it was past my bedtime, and now I get to listen to both of you while I troll my way through my job as an adult. These are the ladies I would love to get to know, and with each episode, I feel like I know them more. I'm starting in the beginning, so I have a long, long, long way to go, but I'm loving it so far. Lots of love. P.S. While I think I'd be okay with ghost adults, if I encounter a ghost child, I'd be out of there faster than the roadrunner. Beep, beep. And Ellen, I'm not sure where you're located in Texas, but we will be there in May. So hopefully we'll get to meet you when we visit there. We want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producers, Katie Bigelow, Alan Tigwell, and Rhonda Mayfield. Thanks. Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org.